Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? Doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing all right. So in this episode, we're going to touch on the guys who have begun to declare for the NBA Draft, even though we have really no details on what what is going to happen in regards to draft in terms of timing, how it's going to happen when it's going to happen but guys are nonetheless putting their names in the into the waters i have i have i started a tracker that has i think 41 names at this point at the time of recording of underclassmen who have put their names in the draft so we're going to go through some of the notable guys who have declared uh some of the sleeper more sleepery guys who have declared that we're interested in and just just have a discussion about those guys so max we get started before we go any further, the Prep to Pro MBA Draft Podcast is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. Sure. Uh, and just so people know, this we're recording this on Friday afternoon. So if any big names uh, declare between Friday and Monday when this is released, they will not be included. So this is as of Friday afternoon. Um, I guess should we start with Obi Toppin? I think it's probably at least in a consensus set. Oh well, oh, Killian Hayes. Um, but I mean, let's let's talk about Obi Toppin first. Uh, the sophomore out of Dayton, although senior aged sophomore out of Dayton, um, six nine combo big, I guess. Uh, who is really a tremendously skilled offensive player. Uh, can shoot the ball, has some handling ability, pretty intelligent passer, um, and gets off the ground incredibly quickly as a leaper. Uh, what that contrasts is really uh, bad defense in every way. Uh, while he is an incredible vertical leaper, when he's moving horizontally, he like legitimately looks like he's injured. Um, he's just hunched over. He has really, really high hips, which makes him... Uh, susceptible to to being kind of pushed around on the interior too. Um, I think the biggest problem defensively is probably the perimeter defense. He just really can't move with anyone. Um, but I mean, on the interior, it's not good either. He's not overly long. Uh, he's not particularly uh, reactive or even anticipatory. Uh, just doesn't really show a high feel level on that end of the floor. Um, so while he does project as someone who 
I, I think I'd be pretty surprised if he's not a good offensive big man in the NBA. And I we've talked about this before that if you had to pick a guy to be like a high usage, high uh, high efficiency scorer out of this class, Toppin in like a bench role might be the best choice for that. But defensively, it's he's just someone who's going to give a, a lot back at a position where you don't want to be doing that. Yeah, and I mean, he's probably a four if we had to decide. I mean, it, it's going to be difficult. I, th- I think it's going to be harder than people kind of have let on to hide him on the defensive end because this like playing on the interior and especially in the playoffs, um, he's not going to be able to hang with anybody on the perimeter. I mean, usually having just guys of that size who cannot be disasters, switching onto someone or rotating on the inside is fine enough. But I think Obi is probably nearing that disaster tier for defensive prospects at his size and guys who are going to be defending in the paint, which is just the most important type of defense. That's really not going to cut it. And like, yeah, like Max said, I mean, he's pretty, I mean, he can definitely get off the floor, but I mean, without load time, he's not as great of a leaper as he, I mean, everyone sees the incredible open floor dunks that he does, but when he doesn't have time and space to load, he's not as quick off the ground and he's, he misses. He's late on rotation. So, even as a guy who you, who who you're going to station off the ball and have helping on the interior, he's not even going to be really viable there. But yeah, on, on the contrary, I mean, the question is for me looking at his NBA role is how good offensively can he be to mitigate his defensive value? Because yeah, like 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 we said, Obi is a really really good offensive player and who's shown flashes of just about everything you want from a guy at his size and for his projected role. So if, if he can get to like a plus four or something on offense, which Oof. I mean, isn't necessarily likely, but certainly not likely, but I think it's like within like the super high end outcomes, which I mean, I'm not really buying and I, I know Max isn't either, but there, there are people who have OB in the top five or even believe him as a contender for the number one pick. And I think the defense is too bad for that to be in consideration. And I don't buy the offensive ceiling as much, but there are some who do. And I think there's a case for a guy who's that tall. I think a thing to look for is really just like the off dribble shooting improving with him. Cause that's the thing he's shown flashes of, but not something that's bankable. I mean, there was the play against Kansas where he hit like a between the legs step back three. And I think people see that and assume he's going to shoot off the dribble, which I don't know if he will because this is not something he's shown, but I mean, he's probably going to shoot spot ups with just given how good his, his touch around the rim is. And he's a fine enough free throw shooter. I think he's like low seventies over two years. He's fine enough there. And the finishing um, in terms of like translation, we talked about like being the best finisher in the class. Um, it probably like just as a pure finisher, it's probably someone like Grant Riller, but um, in terms of like translation and using a size to finish Obi Toppins, the best finisher in this class for me and just his touch um, ability to contort his body to finish um, touch with both hands, ability to finish on the drive. It's really, really special. And he can like, like Max said, he can pass the ball too. So the offensive upside is really there, but it's how, how bad is he going to be defensively or how much can you correct it? Yeah. The idea that he could be a plus four on offense seems pretty outlandish to me. I mean, the only big men in the league that are plus fours are probably like towns and Jokic. And one of those guys is in contention for being the greatest big man shooter of all time. And the other is probably the greatest big man passer of all time. Uh, You don't generate that sort of offensive impact as a big man 
unless you're outlier, outlier ridiculous. Uh, I think Toppin will be quite a good offensive player, um, but beyond, he'll be productive, but um, he, he definitely presents a team-building conundrum. I don't know what the compliment to him even is, uh, but it's definitely hard to find. Um, so yeah, I, I, even if he pans out, I don't know that it'll be in a way that really impacts winning at the highest level, but if you're just going for a guy who is going to put up numbers in the NBA, I think Toppin is a pretty damn good bet. And, uh, he has a legitimate chance to be one of the couple best offensive players from the class and one of the couple best offensive big men in the league. I just tend to think that that's not as valuable, not as valuable as it as it appears on its face level. Um, you really think that he's uh, like a serious load time leaper, though? I feel like he gets off the ground pretty damn quickly most of the time, especially like even as a role man. Like he he can he he'll get up and he he'll um, I mean he can really like catch lobs. I, did he? I he ended up leading the NCAA in dunks this year, right? Oh uh, yeah, he had more than Udoka this year. Which is yeah, kind of wild. So, Even kind of wild. Yeah. I mean, I think a, it's more of a defensive issue with for the leaping. At least I noticed. Well, I think, th- but that's a. I feel like that's more of a reaction time. Yeah. And also movement thing. Yeah, I mean, he had he had 107 dunks this year, which yeah, it was kind second, of second. Second was Udoka at 103, and then, and then third was like Shamarcus Kennedy at 72. Um. So he's a really impressive vertical athlete, Obi Toppin. Um, I think, like, obviously in the open court, but even in the half court, I find him to be wildly impressive as a vertical athlete. Uh, it's just that the horizontal movement is so, so bad. Uh, like, it's it's hard to believe that it's the same player, but I, I think it's, like, as stark a reminder as you'll ever, as you'll ever see that, athleticism is not one blanket thing. There are a lot of different elements to it. And in some respects, Toppin is elite. And in others, he is like bottom five percentile. Yeah. And I think Obi is definitely going to be a good floor raiser in the NBA. I mean, he's a guy who's going to make bad teams better just for the sheer offense value he's going he's gonna to bring. But like Max alluded to, he's going to be difficult to build around and scale around, especially defensively on like a really good winning team at least as a starter, which is if you're drafting in the top five or like as many think OB is, especially in the mainstream, you're going to want him to be a guy who can carry a load for you in terms of usage and minutes. And I'm just not sure OB is really that guy, especially considering that he's 22 years old. He's older than Desmond Bain, who's just this or older than a lot of seniors. So yeah, I've that, mentioned that really struggles. There. I've mentioned it before in here. He is one day younger than Jason Tatum. Um, <laughs> And, like, that's obviously not the bar that you're comparing him to. Uh, but it's important to remember what a guy that age who is an, a genuine NBA star should look like in college basketball. Uh, they they would be very dominant. And Obi Toppin was very dominant. He was probably the best player in college basketball this year. But uh, it's I think it's just something worth considering, that this is not a normal sophomore putting up this production. This is This is a guy who is like really senior aged. Um, and I think that's relevant. Uh, should we, should we move on to, you want to do Killian Hayes? Yeah. I feel like Killian Hayes is probably a natural segue as the other like top, top guy who has declared so far that we haven't talked to. I mean, guys like Anthony Edwards have declared, but we've 
talked about him plenty on this podcast. It's the same with Onyeka Kongwu. You can go back to episode two for a really in-depth breakdown of a Kongwu's game. But yeah, so Killian Hayes has declared for the draft after a pretty spectacular season this year at Ulm in Germany. After in both, I know in Max and I's mind, both being kind of unimpressive relative to the people who thought he was a top five level guy at um, in France. I mean, I think he's probably one of the most improved players this year out of anyone just with just his all-around game. I mean, the touch that he showed on intermediate jumpers is starting to materialize into deeper pull-ups and just more pull-ups in general. His athleticism changing directions with his handle has improved, which is something that really surprised me to see just because that's not the type of athletic um, improvement that you really see very often. Guys improving their change of direction um, and helping him get to the rim, which is huge because one of the big things with Killian Hayes is that his burst is really just not at the level of some other initiator or, or lead guard prospects. And, I mean, he's got a case to be able to mitigate that with his newfound change of direction ability and the fact that he's legitimately really big for a lead guard. He's 6'5", and he's all of 6'5". He is quite big. And that's not even mentioning that he's a savant-level passer. I mean, he's not LaMelo, but... He's kind of close. I mean, he's that next level down. and He's a very, very good passer off the live dribble um, in, in the pick and roll. He's pretty great there. And defensively, he's definitely improved as well on the ball. He was kind of a disaster on the ball um, when he played in France, but he's definitely improved there. And he's legitimately impactful as a team defender, making rotations and making plays off the ball. And he's also quite young, too. He's that still 18, so... Killian Hayes is a strong contender to be to be the number one prospect in this draft. It's just like probably not a guy with the same um, initiator ceiling as an Anthony Edwards or a Lamelo Ball, but someone who has definitely a strong like off kind of secondary type ceiling with definitely a stronger median outcome than those guys. I don't think Killian was ever unimpressive. It was just that he didn't necessarily show improvement in the areas that you want to see for a while. Um, and I think there were concerns about ceiling and uh, I mean, uh, s- some of, of his success translating, but over the last year, he's gotten a lot better. Uh, like Ben mentioned, uh, the defense on the ball has improved a lot. He's always been an off ball playmaker. He plays the nail really, really well. He just has a great feel for shutting down driving lanes and, and uh, making plays, but uh, on the ball, he used to be a real disaster. Like, couldn't navigate a screen, didn't get low in a stance at all. Uh, and then at, at times this year was pretty stifling, honestly, on the ball, like really would get into a stance. Honestly, like providing pretty good evidence that uh, on-ball defense really is just a very unstable skill to the point where if a guy doesn't have severe physical limitations – at lower levels, you probably shouldn't be too concerned about it, especially if he's showing effort. Uh, because if you have even just like a, a pretty low baseline of physical tools, you can improve it. Uh, and and just like so many young players are like technically uh, flawed individual defenders. Um, but yeah, Killian, the passing that he showed, even as a 17-year-old playing professionally before this year was obviously amazing. Just a ridiculous pick-and-roll passer um, who is highly manipulative with his eyes and with his movements. Uh, he's definitely way too left-dominant. He's a lefty. Uh, can't really pass with his right. Can't really finish with his right. 
but he shows really impressive touch and his willingness to shoot the ball has improved a ton, including taking pretty difficult off the dribble attempts. Um, and like Ben mentioned, he's really big. He's legit six, five, maybe even six, six and pretty strong. Uh, has a frame that I think he should grow into. Uh, and if I think if he's optimized as a defender, um, really enabled off the ball, he could be pretty high impact on that end while being, I think a competent caretaker on offense, real, probably a very good pick and roll player. His late clock creation is, is pretty non-existent at this point because he has no burst. Uh, his handle is pretty underdeveloped. Uh, he's just not really a deceptive player in that regard. And I think that will always be a significant problem for him to the point where you're going to want another on-the-ball creator next to him. But if you can get him in a situation like that, uh, I think he should fit into a team construct really well. He does need to get better at, uh, when playing off the ball, being more engaged as a, as a cutter and and uh, like relocating as a shooter but I do think the spot up shooting will be there to the point where he's really viable on or off the ball. And it's just a, a nice team building piece. I, like you said, probably will never be a, like a franchise changing talent. But if you want, if you're, if you're a team that already has, I think that's star level initiator in place and you're picking in the lottery, Killian Hayes should absolutely be in, con- in consideration for your pick. Uh, and then uh, this is something that uh, our friend, uh, Mike Gribanov has talked about that people do probably underrate Killian's upside a little bit just because of uh, something we've talked about a lot, development arc, uh, specifically athletically, that he keeps getting better. Um, like I said, defensively, he's now showing a facility to, to get lower. Uh, offensively, he's showing some real improvement uh, as a change of direction guy on the move at pretty high speeds, which is something that even early in this season he wasn't doing. Um, and if, I think if he continues to, to improve in those areas, there could be some creation upside, or if he really becomes a lethal off the dribble shooter. Uh, but I I mean, at this stage, he's still, he's a really upright, uh, offensive player and just serious, like doesn't have any burst whatsoever. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not a good NBA player. Yeah. And he's like Max said, is going to be super scalable, which is an important consideration to make. I mean, at the top of the draft, you're looking for those franchise changing initiator prospects, but especially in a class like this, where there really isn't likely isn't one of those guys. I mean, guys like prospects like LaMelo and Anthony Edwards potentially have ceilings to hit that, but it's not super likely. So there are plenty of people who have Killian Hayes as the number one pick. Um, And I think that's totally reasonable. Even, even if you don't buy his ceiling, as a guy who's going to be really, really scalable, even if he doesn't hit that high-end outcome, say the pull-up really improves or he keeps improving athletically, he's yeah, like Max said, he's going to guy who's going to be valuable on winning teams because he's going to play off the ball and he's going to be able to run a pick and roll as a secondary ball handler. And in time, I think the spot up, the spot up stuff and the cutting instinct probably should improve if he gets in a situation where he can play off ball because that's just not something he's had to really do or probably been coached to do much in I mean I can't speak for that obviously but something that it's it doesn't it doesn't seem like he's done much in in his current play but yeah he's a guy who's going to impact winning without usage on offense and definitely also add impact with usage and then defensively if he keeps growing physically he's a guy who could be a real impact guy at the guard position guard multiple positions and make an impact as a team defender 
Yeah, I mean, if you also if you just if you pick him at the top of the draft, like that pick is not going to get a GM fired. Like taking Lamelo Ball, taking Anthony Edwards, those guys could well get uh could get a guy fired. Like Killian Hayes, I think he'll be good enough to the point where no one's going to be pointing at that pick like it was a disaster. Yeah, uh, he might just be fine, but there there is like I think a genuine element of safety with him. Yeah. And we've also talked about, like, I'm not sure if you mentioned this pod, but there's a good chance that the first pick overall is going to be, like, a negative contract for the duration. And I think, like, there's an argument that Hayes has the best chance to not be that, just because, like, like he's he's not, we, we're pretty sure he's not going to be a bad NBA player. Or, I mean, it, it's pretty likely that he's going to add some kind of positive value. Um, regardless of how he develops and that's important for a contract status because well also Hayes in the actual draft is probably not a guy you're gonna have to take number one or even top three I don't think so he's probably a guy that wherever he's gonna be whether it be like at the back end of the top five he's probably he's likely a guy who's gonna add plus value for the team that that drafts him so Mm -hmm. should we do the two guys that I think we both have highest ranked um, actually, I mean, I have these guys both ahead of Toppin as of right now, but behind Killian Hayes in the, the FSU guys, Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams, who have both yes. declared. Yep. Both of so, those guys have declared for the draft. So we, we've talk- talked, we've talked about Patrick Williams, um, before, if not in massive depth. So I guess we can, we can address him now. Uh, Patrick Williams is like a six, eight, six, nine combo forward, uh, Really impressive size, length, really young. The youngest American player in the class, provided Wendell Moore does not does not declare. Uh, and just a very, very smart team defender. Really pretty skilled on the interior. Maintains verticality. Uh, just like, really just makes very strong impact around the rim. Uh, and then flashes some skill on offense that's pretty compelling. He was, he was successful as an off-the-dribble shooter this year on really small volume. But like playing out of pick and roll, sometimes he could he could pull up for an elbow jumper. He I have seen him attempt pull up threes. Uh, he can throw like some passes to the roll man. Um, I think in the NBA odds are he's more of a spot up guy, and he's an over eighty percent free throw shooter. Um, I think not a lock to to shoot by any means, but uh, definitely some good indicators there. Um, the the main question I think is movement with him. He just is pretty clunky. Uh, we've talked, we, we've definitely talked about this in the past. I think in the swing skills episode where he ha- has like really overdeveloped quads and underdeveloped calves, and it leads to some scary uh, rotation on his knee and just general clunky movement. But if you can get that worked out and he can uh, actually be a, like a plus mover, I think he'll be a really high level defensive player. But even without that, I, I think he's a legitimate four in size and strength. Uh, and, will you know protect the rim and shoot threes valuable combination um yeah i mean what what have you got on, yep. on i think his strongest like most bankable skill is is his interior defense i if, if i had to point to one i mean patrick williams is a guy like offensively who's mostly like a flashes guy even though some of the flashes are really really stellar but interior defense is something he's done consistently when he's played and something he's very very good at and just the recovery tools he has for when he is going to get beat. I mean, like there, there was the play against Louisville, I think, where David Johnson took him off the dribble and like mm-hmm. the, the slow hips were evident, but then he recovers for a block. And that's why I'm less concerned about his 
his um, movement skills than some others. Because I think if he gets put in a good team construct and looking at the range that he's probably projected in, um, he's probably if he does decide to stay in the draft, he's probably more likely to be put in one than a guy who would get drafted in the top five or something. But he, like, he's a real impact team defender guarding the interior. He's like he's got great timing, making rotations. He's a pretty good vertical athlete. I mean, he's long to, I mean, long enough to, 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 to impact shots and get blocks from behind and and challenge with his strength. And he's gonna be like super impactful, I think, as he grows into. I don't know. I'm not really sure how the phys- how the physical aspect with his movement has gonna change and improve, but he's definitely a guy who I can see being strongly impactful as, a, as an interior defender and like you said he's he's rigidly a four i mean he's got the size and the length and the strength to play that position full time he's not a tweener i don't think even though maybe offensively he could handle the load on the wing more especially if his handle um ends up improving and like we said the fact that he's 18 is really important and the youngest american player in the draft not named well, at, at this moment the youngest american player in the draft and likely he will be but just a guy who, um, who, who Patrick Williams is another development art guy because I know Max. I didn't watch him much in college. But Max talked about how he was kind of boring and underwhelming, and now in, in, a, F- in AAU, yeah, in AAU. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> but then, but then at Florida State, he's just this kind of really flashy, exciting prospect. And that's encouraging development for a guy at his age. And I think there's a good chance he keeps developing and develops his offensive skills to to become uh, this really excellent complimentary player on the wing, provided his defensive impact. And just, just a guy that young with his level of size and skill, pretty solidly a lottery prospect in this draft, if not better. One thing to note uh, in terms of the positional fit uh and this is something that's generally worth considering. I can offer some other examples later, but given the the like dearth of wing talent in the NBA, I think it's worth being concerned that maybe he gets drafted to a team where they really just want him to be a three, and so they have him defending the perimeter a lot, and he's just not optimized. Um, I think that we could see that play out. Uh, it's sort of. It's, I think it's an important thing to think of in general. It's something that concerned me with R.J. Barrett, where I didn't buy that he was this primary primary handler, this major creator. But I did kind of like um, him in a complementary role as a, a wing who could uh, attack in secondary situations. Um, but the odds that he would that he would find himself find himself in that sort of a situation were not high. And I think it's worth pricing in with Williams that he could be drafted somewhere where he's expected to defend the wing uh, and doesn't really get to be optimized as an interior defender, in which case you could see him really struggle. Uh, So team fit will be important with him. It has to be a team that knows what he is, that doesn't want it to be something else uh, for him to really uh, thrive. Uh, Just worth considering. But uh, the guy who can defend the wing on FSU is Devin Vassell, who I, I've got back-to-back with with Pat Williams on my board. Um, Vassell is a 6-6, who is the best team defender in college basketball, I think. Just brilliant, brilliant, uh, instinctual guy. Uh, makes some unbelievable rotations uh, defending off the ball to – 
pick up steals or blocks. Uh, just like great timing, just a brilliant player. And then on the ball, I think he's a major disruptor. Will blow up actions all the time with his his length and activity. Uh, and then offensively, what's interesting about him is that uh, he he yeah he's an accomplished spot up shooter. Uh, but this year he started to really flash an off the dribble game, and he's got a really high kind of like wonky release point where he, he kind of like loads it on the, like brings it up on the left side of his head and, and releases it like kind of behind his head. But um, what that does, it allows him to get his shot off whenever he wants. So he, he has flashed in a serious way as an off the dribble shot maker. The problem is that he's a pretty poor decision maker and he really has no burst. Uh, so the idea that he could drive offense seems pretty uh, far fetched, but I mean, if he turns into a legitimate tough shot maker with his defensive impact, uh, he could be a real just stud. Uh, the thing that concerns me, uh, even like he was a better college defender than his teammate Patrick Williams, I think, but he he is a sophomore whose body is pretty underdeveloped, uh, and I don't know that he'll truly sustain like the highest levels of Team D impact in the NBA, but he's, he, he should still be very good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's just an, an awesome player with really, I think, a compelling uh, abilities on both under the both ends of the floor. Yeah, don't have much to add in terms of defense. I mean, in every facet of off-ball defense, he's going to excel. I mean, like we talked about with um, Killian, even better than Killian, he's incredible at the nail. I mean, with his length and playmaking instincts, he he absolutely shuts down the middle. I mean, he's just awesome making long rotations to shut down like weak side actions that he has no business being a part of and that most players just wouldn't be able to touch and make an impact on. And he like he deflects backdoor cuts with his length, even when he shouldn't be in position to to get to those plays. Even in transition, he's super aware and he's and he and he shuts down the middle in transition when he's not um guarding the guy in the middle. I think even though the point about his 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 frame is definitely uh, a worthwhile one that um just just guarding up against bigger guys might be a struggle with his body type. He plays pretty physically on the defensive end, which is something that's important. I mean, I remember in, in the Duke game, there was like multiple instances where he shut, where he didn't allow post entries to Vernon Carey and he was switching all over the place. And while obviously, I mean, there's plenty of better guys than Vernon Carey. He's going to have to go up in the NBA. I think some of the physicality is going to mitigate, going to mitigate that the frame weakness and offensively, like you said, I think people, often underrate his upside as a difficult shot maker. I mean, he's not like an incredible free throw shooter or anything, but he shot, I mean, I mean, he, he's like at 43% on long twos and like 39 of those 49 makes are unassisted. And I think that's definitely an important indicator looking historically at guys who were unimpressive free throw shooters or didn't have like the most incredible indicators that are maybe more popularized that became these really incredible um difficult shot makers and like i said the decision making is a real issue and that's just compounded by his total inability to separate and create um space off the dribble for himself or for his teammates but i think if he can become that difficult shot maker and harness some gravity that way then that's a different avenue for him to be 
become an effective offensive player besides, like we said, I mean, he should be fine shooting spot ups and he's, he's accomplished there. And like he changed his shot profile a lot this season, but he still shot spot ups and he should be able to shoot spot ups at the next level. So this is a guy who's going to add a lot of value without usage because defensively he's, he should be quite impactful. Um, uh, maybe not the best defensive prospect in this class. I mean, he's certainly up there, but he's a pretty savant level team defensive player. And, and that's going to have a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Should we do, I mean, talking about brilliant defenders, should we talk about Xavier Tillman? Yeah, sure. We can talk about Xavier Tillman, who is just like this absolutely savant level genius team defender. I mean, he's, I think, 6'8", so not super big for a guy who projects as a center, but he is so, so perfect and smart with his interior positioning, uh, guarding drives, rotating to help. And he's super strong too, moves pretty well for a guy his size. Um, not like a switchable defender, but someone who can definitely hang in a pinch. Um, just uh, an excellent team defender, um, even like making weak side rotations, playing the interior, rotating from block to block to contest shots. And that's and offensively he doesn't really shoot which is the issue with him and he's probably gonna have he might have to shoot but to make an impact but he is an impressive skill guy otherwise for his size I mean his handle is pretty legit and coordinated in open space has shown a little bit of ability to change directions with his handle and as a passer he's also pretty spectacular he he's a really quick decision maker just in general he flashes ability to pass on the short roll, even on some drive and kick scenarios. He can he can pass. And he's also a very good finisher as, as well around the rim. He's got pretty good touch. He's strong. He carves out space and positioning well with his body. So just as this like defensive big with a lot of skill, he does a lot of things that are difficult to find for true big men. And the size and the shooting are limiters, but a guy as skilled and as strong and as smart as Tillman is difficult to pass on in a draft like this. So. Yeah, he um he at least has pretty solid length. He's so he's like six eight, six nine, but he's got well like a seven one, seven two wingspan, something like that. Uh so he's pretty long, unfortunately cannot jump at all. Um, so that will I think mitigate some of his defensive impact around the rim. But he is just he's so brilliant and he's actually there, uh, which matters in and of itself. Uh I think offensively from a modern big, you want two out of three at least of handling ability passing ability and shooting ability and he definitely has handling and passing down um he i think this year was really impressive as a ball handler uh just very very coordinated for a center really like able to attack um closeouts but just i think a very impressive ball handler maybe maybe some face-up scoring ability there but he probably does need to shoot um, he has kind of taken threes over the last two years at least uh, and not really made them. He's like a high 60s free throw, I want to say. Um, so not a huge amount of reason to believe that he'll shoot at a high level, but I think there's there's a chance. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, he's he's just so smart and has physical tools that are adequate enough that um, that I think he's worth – taking in the first round uh but yeah i mean if he could jump or if he was like really a freak length guy i mean i think i'd have him as a lottery pick honestly he's just so so smart and really pretty skilled uh someone that i hope stays in the draft because 
as, like as a value compared to especially the freshman bigs beyond Onyeka Kongwu. Um, I think Tillman's really interesting. He like he will go after Vernon Carey, Isaiah Stewart, Zeke Naji, and I, I think he's pretty comfortably a better prospect than all of those guys. Uh, so I, I like Tillman a lot. He's really fun to watch. Uh, and I think he has a he has a pretty solid chance to be a guy who can provide value as a big man in high leverage situations, which is really all that you need from a big man. So he might not be your 30 minute a game starter, but if he's the guy that can play in your closing lineups, then that's super valuable. Uh, yeah. So I love Xavier Tillman. Hope he stays in the class uh, in the class. I would, if I had to guess as a junior, who's not like, doesn't have the most buzz. I would kind of guess that he goes back for one more, for one more go at Michigan State, but I mean, Cassius Winston will be gone, so it, they won't be the same caliber of team. I don't think so. Maybe he just keep, maybe he just keeps his name uh, in in the uh, in the draft pool. I really hope he does. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy a smart team will hopefully take advantage of, and because he's uh, Tillman's a guy who really has a chance to make an impact in the postseason as just a really stellar defensive. D- defensive big man even without the tools he has necessary strength and iq and stuff to be an impact defender there without the ability to to have that vertical and just offensively with the passing and the handling just yeah he he, he beyond being a guy who can move the ball as a quick decision maker run the occasional short roll i mean he'll be able to run dribble handoffs and handle the ball off of those as well so there's a lot of versatility that he provides that a smart coach and a smart offensive scheme can unlock despite the fact that he might not be a prolific shooter and i think the fact that he's shown a willingness to shoot spot ups is important as maybe in time he could be a guy that you can't like totally tony allen a a guy that you're gonna have to at least pay a tiny bit of attention to because just just shooting them in general um, being willing to take them is an important step. And you see how detrimental guys who aren't willing to take threes at all are to spacing, and being willing to take them is important. So yeah, Tillman is really, really awesome, super great player. Um, someone who I think is and Max both thinks are firmly a first round talent in this draft, and someone who I think definitely could be wise keeping his name in and banking on a smart team. I mean, with just how strong next year's class is. And I assume a lot of underclassmen are going to return to school just because of the circumstances. Maybe a guy who could take advantage of that and find himself in a good situation to to make a career. Because he's a guy who I could definitely see having a long NBA career if he lands in the right spot and gets the right opportunity to succeed. So uh, should we talk? go from one very smart player to another and talk about Tyrese Halliburton? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a bit on Halliburton. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State. Oh, man, I don't. I don't even have a position for him. Just basketball player. Uh, he's about six five, super skinny. Was a lead guard for Iowa State this year. Uh, really brilliant uh, intellect. Just so smart and a and a just special passer. Highly, highly manipulative. He is like the only passer in the world who leaving his feet without a plan is like a good idea for him because he'll just, he'll sell, uh, he'll leave, he'll jump and completely sell a skip to the weak side corner and 
somehow he'll contort back to then just dump it off to a wide open roll man as the tag recovers to the corner or vice versa. Like he, he's not locked into, to one option. He's always doing different things. He's just so deceptive and manipulative. Um, the problem is that that passing probably won't be fully harnessed in the NBA for him because he's just not an on the ball scoring threat. He doesn't have an advanced handle. He's has no burst. Uh, he's really weak, so he can be bumped off spots. Um, and the pull up jumper is pretty slow. It it I think it went in at a decent clip this year, but hard hard to really bank on that. Uh, and I think most people would would agree that he he doesn't really project it as a lead guard in the NBA. He's much more of a connecting player. Sort of think the the Lonzo Ball role. Uh, but in that role, he could be really good. I think he'll probably shoot spot ups, uh, and then just attacking secondarily is just a brilliant, brilliant passer. Uh, I I definitely worry defensively because of how weak and small he is, uh, but I I guess I'm willing to bet on that intelligence level at least making him passable. Uh, I don't really buy him at the level that I think a lot of the mainstream now has him, which is like a top seven guy. But as a lottery guy who will just be a basketball player for your team and really link players and just add uh, intelligent ball movement and just just really propel team offense, uh, Tyrese Halliburton is, I think, a, a very good fit for that. Halliburton is probably one of the more team-dependent guys, I think, in this class. We talked about Max gave the R.J. Barrett example, but if a team's going to draft – Tyrese Halliburton in the top five even and try to groom him as a guy who's going to carry uh, a high usage load on ball, then that's definitely less of a chance for him to be successful and impact winning than if if you were allowed to be a guy who's going to be like a third guard, um, connect connect players offensively and just be that really strong team defender. I saw someone on Twitter, I can't think if it was, make like not the direct comparison, but like the impact comparison to D'Anthony Melton as a third guard. And while he's n- nowhere near the defender that D'Anthony Melton is, I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. like that comp because Melton yeah. like is generating so much of his value yeah. on defense and just I mean, Halliburton's not going to no. do that. Like, yeah, no, there, there's no way. I think, the, the, but the idea, the, the sentiment that he could be a valuable like third guard type and add impact sure. like that is yeah is valid, I, I don't but, i don't think the melton comp is yeah. all that valuable i don't but, like the comp itself but i think just the sentiment is has some truth to it because i mean that's just like we're saying alberton's gonna struggle a lot on the ball i mean you're the you're the pelicans guy here how do you what do you think about the lonzo role yeah no no i think that's super legitimate and obviously lonzo's um shooting improvement this year is kind of wild and I think Halliburton might be able to get there. I mean, the pull-up is, like we said, wary, but he's shooting like a consistent 42-ish percent from three on like over almost 250 attempts over his career. And he's upped his free throw percentage to around 83 this year. So I think he's a pretty fair bet to shoot like at least spot-ups and maybe some off the dribble in the future. But yeah, I think if you can find that like that team context or that player to really like be that link that connective tissue um at least offensively he can be really effective because he's going to be able to move the ball at such a high level i think he'll be able to like if you can find a team that wants to push i mean he's going to be a monster throwing outlets in transition um he'll be great there the thing that concerns me off the dribble is that the release is it's really low uh and kind of slow uh i just yeah i don't trust him to get that off off the dribble um 
but I think spot ups he, he probably will yeah. be fine. Um, yeah, if a team drafts him in the top seven to be a lead guard, I would be surprised if it's not a pretty big disaster. Uh, I just yeah. I don't I don't think it's going to work out with him as a lead guard. But uh, which is why that like his stock exploding the way it has in the mainstream is probably not good for for his projection. Um, but if if a team does draft him to fit into that secondary role, uh, I think he could be really good. Yeah, I think he, that especially like offensively, like if a team is going to be aware and put him in situations to kind of like create advantages for him by using him wisely off the ball and getting him in spaces where he can take advantage of his passing because he's not going to be able to create those advantages by himself on a regular basis. So if you can get a team who can commit to creating them for him, then I think he can be really useful as an offensive player because when there are windows in the defense, he's going to exploit them with his passing. Exactly. Like I like him in like Chicago next to Zach Levine where Zach Levine can compromise the defense uh, just you can't can't necessarily necessarily capitalize on that. No. But you know Zach Levine creates a crease and gets the ball to Tyrese Halliburton. Good things will probably happen. Yeah, it's just about Zach Levine actually getting the getting ball. The ball to Tyrese yeah. Halliburton. Yeah. That's not by way of an offensive rebound. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, Halliburton's another guy. Like definitely, I'll say like Killian Hayes, but like obviously like more pro- like more serious in this vein that he's going to need to play next to a capable initiator. To, to really add most of his value. Yeah. Like Hayes, Hayes, I think throughout a game can play on the ball. It's yeah. just when you get into like late clock situations, like or late game situations where you need an on the dri- on the ball creator, like it's not happening yeah. with Killian Hayes. Like Halliburton, I don't think can play on the ball like all that much at all. No, yeah. Um definitely I I, I would definitely be wary of that. I mean, he did it some in like FIBA U19 this summer, but still yeah, he did. I'm not super convinced that's a, that's of that some- sample. That's a much that's a much lower level yeah. of competition, especially then, like, physically. Just, I mean, and even like looking at his team, like just watching him play next to Cade, it was clear that mm-hmm. like he's not that level of guy. So, yeah, I mean, Halliburton's definitely interesting. Not the top five ish type prospect that some bill him as to, to to me at least. So but definitely a guy yeah. that that if he falls into the right team context, that he could be someone that adds uh, real value. And like like you said, he's super skinny. If if he can develop um, strength, he could potentially be an impact defender because he's just so smart off the ball. I mean, generating events, positioning, um, really, really, really smart team defender. And like, like I said, the strength is just a huge issue. But if he can improve that even a little bit, I think it could be impactful on that end. Yeah. Uh, the only other top guy who's declared to this point that we haven't talked about is Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith, a wing out of Vanderbilt. Uh, about six six. Uh, I don't think either of us has seen that much of him, so we probably shouldn't go in depth on him. But just, I mean, it, for just so people know who Neesmith is, uh, probably the best shooter in the class. Uh, he, only, he only played one conference game because he got hurt, but he was shooting. Uh, so his final shooting numbers on the year are eight point two attempts uh, per game from three at fifty two percent. That is um, 13 attempts per 100 at 52% while shooting 82.5% from the line. Uh, shot 82.5% from the line as a freshman as well. Uh, so Neesmith, just really impressive shooter. Uh, hits some ridiculous uh, like movement attempts, deep range. It just would have been really nice to see where his shooting evened out, especially uh, against be- the better competition of the SEC. It's a shame that we didn't see that. 
but uh, like roughly a top 20, 25 ish guy could definitely see an argument for him as maybe even like a lottery type uh, and it, depending on the team, but really impressive shooter. Uh, not really capable of doing a deep dive right now. Cause I don't know about you, but I was waiting for the higher quality sec games for him and they never came. Yeah. I've seen like, I watched, I think like one or two of his, of his uh, non cons besides the, the Auburn game besides his freshman year sample, which I saw a little bit of, like I said, not someone I've seen as much of as I'm going to, I'll, I'll, we'll go back through all of his games at some point, but yeah, I mean, there's a guy who my worry is with the ancillary non shooting skills Mm-hmm. offensively i mean he's not super quick his handle isn't the best passing is kind of inconsistent and like w- with the level of shooting gravity his he, he's gonna have the level of goodness he's gonna need to hit on all of those other skills drops compared to other guys but still he's gonna have to be able to do it to be a high level complimentary player in the nba and though his shooting is like pretty spectacular and he's a pretty safe bet to well, it was spe- it was pretty spectacular for 14 games right like coming into this year he looked like a good shooter or like a very good good shooting prospect yeah and then for 14 games was like putting up a historic shooting season yeah that's a good but i mean like he he certainly would have wouldn't have sustained what he was doing um i I mean i haven't done the queries on it but i i would guess that eight attempts a game at 52 percent has never happened in in um in d1 uh but yeah i mean the level to which his shooting evens out would have been something that would have been great to know but definitely a very good shooter it's just unclear how special he is. Yeah, I think um, I've seen some people bring up the point. Uh, I saw someone, uh, maybe he's just like not, uh, definitely important to consider that sample size because, I mean, he's not a 50% shooter from three. I mean, nobody is. But, I mean, he's got to be pretty damn good, at least in my opinion, to cover his his ancillary skills, which, I mean, he definitely could improve that. And we'll talk about defensively a little bit. I'm not super one of the best read on his defense, but I've been unimpressed by his... Yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. Unimpressed by his general awareness and, like, reaction time and his his movement's, like, okay, but it's not... It's not yeah. anything special. So I, I mean, he's I mean, he's big and he's long. So in time, he should be able to survive on the ball. Like yeah, I I had him as like I think a top fifty guy coming into the year, just because I I wasn't wild about the defense either, um, or really any of the ancillary skills. But it certainly seems like he's a high level shooter to the point where where he'll be worthwhile definitely in the first round. But just. I think important to acknowledge that he's not like he, he when he went down was averaging 23 points per game. He is not like some high level scorer or something like that. Uh, he's like pretty strictly a complimentary player, but might be quite a good shooter on the wing, which has value. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, do, do you have something to add? Oh, I'll just like quickly say the the only college guy since 2008 to shoot over 50% from three on full season on over 100 total attempts is Darren Collison in 2008. And like he didn't even have as many uh, as many attempts or as high a percentage as Neesmith. So it's pretty safe to say that that's an unsustainable rate. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to some sort of sleeper guys. Um, so we talked last week. Uh, about Sandro uh, Mamu Kelashvili. Uh, so pr- probably not necessary to get too deep on him. Um, impressive offensive, like combo big. Kind of surprising declaration to me. I would imagine that he goes back to Seton Hall. Will be nice to see him next year if he does without Miles Powell to see how much that harms his game. But uh, 
definitely a legitimate prospect. I don't know about even a top hundred guy, but a real prospect for sure. Uh, do you have anything you want to add on him before we quickly yeah. move on? No, I don't have anything else on him. Still okay, so the, let's do Jalen Crutcher then at Dayton. Uh, I think a lot of people, I could be wrong about this, seem to like Trey Landers, Dayton's senior guard. But I think Crusher is a better long-term prospect for sure. Uh, can shoot the ball, pretty solid passer, um, and like I, I, at least in my viewing, seems to be a pretty strong individual defender. Um, definitely not sensational in any one area, but could could be an NBA guard. Uh, I think he's listed at like six one. He looks he's a bit bigger than, than that. Yeah, he looks a good bit bigger than that. Um, Again, someone I think will return to school, but he has declared to and is testing the waters. Uh, and you could could conceivably be an NBA guard down the road. I think there there are so many like small, and he's not he's not super small like we said, but there are so many uh, like point guard size guys out there that it's a bit of an uphill battle. But uh, I I kind of hope that he returns to school and. Um, and we can see him hopefully in a larger role after Obi Toppin leaves for the NBA because he could he could definitely elevate his status to someone who could like maybe maybe get drafted in the second. Yep, I think it's worth considering with Obi and Crutcher and all the Dayton guys that like their team context is so perfect. I mean, oh, it's amazing. Their like their offensive system is just genius. Anthony Grant's a fantastic coach, and like I think it's definitely fair that that system is elevating a lot of these guys. So. But, but but no, Crutcher, I mean, is definitely like a legitimately good basketball player and he definitely has the makings of of an off like an off guard type who can maybe like run a pick and roll in a pinch. And I, I think he plays bigger than his size, at least from I'm, I've seen defensively. Mm-hmm. I think he plays bigger than well, definitely his listed height, but he, I think he's a guy who can maybe play up a little bit. I mean, like you said, small small guards like aren't really spectacular at any one thing are generally replaceable. And Crutcher's definitely not a guy I would draft, but definitely a, a, an interesting guy to at least pin down. Like Max said, someone who likely is not going to keep his name in the draft. So uh, we'll, we'll be a guy to look at, hopefully, at something like Portsmouth, which will hopefully be, which will likely, I mean, should be back next year. Some A, a guy to follow um, next year for sure. Yeah, another guy who put his name in that surprised me a lot, and I would imagine he'll be back, is um, Farron Hunt at... Uh, SMU, right? Yep. Yeah. So Fern Hunt, wing size guy's like six seven. Pretty impressive athletically. Uh can't really shoot. Just generally not super high skill. But uh wing size guy with with NBA athleticism. Uh pretty, pretty impressive leaper. Uh would think that he he will also return to school. Um, but another guy who I think is a legitimate NBA prospect not all that close to being like draft caliber at any point, really. Like I don't think that he'll ever get drafted, but uh, he is testing the waters and is, is someone that just, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the, the NBA is so starved for wing talent, just someone to keep an eye on. Also someone who I'm going to like to see when um, I'm not, I think it's um, I saw Mike. I, I, I probably, I, I think, I think, I think it's, I, I think it's Isaiah, but is it Isaiah? I don't, it's not I th- spelled like that. I have no. I, I don't. I don't know. I, this is I what happens know. when you don't listen to ga- watch games with. Yeah, with but I would imagine that it's yeah. not 
I no, saw. I, I don't think so. I definitely just embarrassed myself. That's fine. Um, uh, I'm excited to see him without Mike because Mike's a pretty interesting senior prospect as he is. I mean, just a great shooter and a pretty good score, pretty good player. But uh, excited to see Hunt in likely a more pronounced role next year. And like like Max said, just really good athlete, wing size. Uh, modern NBA covets those guys. So something will be good to get feedback, go through whatever process there is at this stage and and see yeah. what he can make of himself and come back next year. And then a couple guys who have declared who have, I think, reputations that definitely outpace their caliber as prospects for one reason or another would be KJ Martin and Jay Scrub. So KJ Martin, also known as Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, pretty obvious why why he's well known. Uh, but so he played post grad at IMG this past year uh, and is now declaring for the draft. Um, he's I think he's been billed by some in the mainstream as like a wing type. He's not a wing. He's like a basically a combo big uh, at six seven. Really not not a skilled player, but. My lord, I mean, he is impressive as a vertical athlete. Has just a couple of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen in high school basketball games. Um, he has this one poster, I forget who it was of, but it was the Isaiah most Mobley, vicious, I think it was of Isaiah Mobley, yes, the USC uh freshman center. Um, yeah, it was the most vicious dunk I've ever seen in a high school basketball game. He also had a few like pinned blocks that were absurd. Uh, Probably not an NBA player. Definitely wouldn't draft him. Uh, I don't. I don't even know if I put him on my no. board anywhere. I don't think I did. But a ridiculous athlete who I maybe maybe gets a chance because of because of his uh, his name, uh, which is definitely a bit unfair. But I mean, if if I mean he's yeah. he's he's so unskilled that I don't think that. It's really ever going to happen at that size, but uh, I think he'll probably be a really interesting European player at yeah, the very least. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if nothing else, a guy who should probably have a role in the Euroleague, which is nothing to scoff at. I mean, that's high level basketball, and that's a plenty good career. But yeah, likely not an NBA guy without some seriously unforeseen skill or IQ development. But yeah, freak athlete. Don't have much else to add. Oh, and the, and then the other one was Jay Scrub. So Jay Scrub is widely billed as the best. Juco uh, prospect in the country. I think there are some who are better informed on that than I am who disagree with that billing. I have not seen Jay Scrub this year, but I did see a game or two from him last year. He's 6'6", pretty impressive vertical athlete, and a really great shooter. Um, he just like he plays on the ball a lot uh, and is not a good decision maker, very much a ball stopper. Uh, just generally a really low field player who I don't think really scales well at all to a smaller role, which is what he'll definitely be filling. Nonetheless, uh, that level of vertical athlete and shooter is, I think, a pretty real NBA prospect. I wouldn't be stunned if he got drafted in the second round. I, I wouldn't do it myself, but I don't think it would be the worst move because of uh, what we've mentioned about wing talent uh, in the NBA. But I, I do want to go in on some stuff on, from Scrub this year. I think word has been that, that he kind of underwhelmed after a really impressive freshman season at John A. Logan Junior College. But uh, a real prospect coming from yeah. from the JUCO ranks uh, yeah. on the win. Yeah. 
Um, in my limited watching, like I said, I haven't. I also have not seen this year, but he kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Ray John Tucker. I don't remember him. Um, he is. I, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I, I I don't think yeah. I ever really watched yeah. him, but I, I he do went know to who Little he is. Rock. Um, was slated to transfer to Memphis, but he ended up entering into the draft and staying. And he went on to play with uh, the Bucks G League team, and he actually played a little bit with with um the bucks and he had a little yeah he has a lot of the same concerns that tucker did which being this really athletic shooting scoring six six kind of wing type that was just an abysmal ball watcher ball stopper excuse me and decision maker type but yeah i i mean the, the nba loves guys with his skill profile definitely would not be surprised to see him stay in and get drafted and maybe get a shot to play because the league's always looking for athletic wing score types to play and like we said i mean he might not be a guy that really has much impact because of just the the IQ and feel stuff, but definitely a, a guy to keep an eye on and a guy that the NBA is probably going to like more than a lot of people on draft Twitter like. But yeah, definitely someone to watch and to keep looking at. Yeah, and then a, a couple guys now that I think we view as much more legitimate prospects would be first uh, Aaron Neesmith's Vanderbilt teammate Saban Lee the what six three ish guard uh probably was the fastest player in college basketball last year just a very very explosive athlete um problem is not much of a shooter as a point guard sized guy uh but if that ever comes around i mean there's like i think real upside for him to be quite a good player uh just because of those physical tools um yeah, I I want to I want to watch a couple more Vanderbilt games because I do want to get a better feel for Saban Lee. But he he is someone that just always pops athletically. Yeah, I like his passing a pretty decent bit too. I mean, he's like he misses reads there, and he's not like spectacular or anything. But he definitely knows how to make guys commit to his gravity and exploit there. Yeah, like like the, the shooting, like he, like his transition from his dribble to his pull up is so clunky. He kind yeah. of like lifts the ball over his head. I mean, it, it's really an ugly shot, and the indicators aren't spectacular either. And I mean, even given his blinding burst, uh, just at his size, it's hard to project really positive, positive outcomes with with, with uh, the shot the way it is. But nonetheless, uh, a very interesting guy to to keep an eye on. Someone who I think probably is going to end up returning. I mean, if I were to he guess, a junior, right? Mm, yes, he is a junior, I believe. Let me double check that. Yeah, uh, I, yeah he's a junior. I don't know. I think he returns. Despite being a really good uh, college player, he's never really picked up all that much buzz. So I would think yeah. that he returns also. Um, he could be really, really good as a senior. Um, yeah, he could be a really he, good player. Especially he's a really, he's a really good college player. He's a really, really good college player. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of another really good college player, uh, Arkansas's Mason Jones who is kind of the opposite of Saban Lee where he's a six, six like combo guard who plays on the ball a lot. Uh, You talked about him a bit. I think maybe last week's episode that um, really impressive finisher, pretty good off the dribble shooter. The problem is he is like the slowest guy in, in uh, NCAA basketball. He's a zero with percentile athlete. Yeah. He's a total zero. athlete. Yeah. It's it's Uh, not get by anyone. Uh, And there's, uh, there's no way that he is like an on ball player in the NBA. And the problem is that he's just not really a very good off the ball player at all. Like he's not a good cutter. He's not a very good catch and shoot shooter. Um, to the point where I'm, I'm not all that interested in him. I, I wouldn't draft him. I know 
at least there are some people who are still pretty in on him and and midway through the year uh i think a lot of people got really in on him because he was a like really really good player this past year at arkansas really productive really efficient scorer uh but it's just a case yeah. where I, I don't think that that role is going to translate at all to the NBA. And I don't think that he fits well into the role that he will have to, to occupy. Uh, like someone I'd give a chance to on a two-way or something in the hopes that he can refine his off-ball game. But uh, not a guy I'm super enthused about. I don't know about you. Yeah, and I, I, no, I, I'm with you. I really uh, struggled to buy the translation. He has a whopping one dunk over the past two seasons. <sighs> And this year of playing on ball as much as he did. But I mean, I will say, and our friend uh, Francis uh, Ben Thrifty on Twitter says this a lot. It's just like, I have no idea how Mason Jones gets to the rim as much as he does and makes it work. Because I mean, with his athletic tools and like his handle's not spectacular. And so he, sh- I mean, he just should not be able to get there. I mean, he's got a 66.8 free throw rate. That's incredible for, <laughs> for, his, for, his, for his rim volume. Like, that's insane. And like, I think like his like his finishing craft might be like an outlier skill. I mean, he's just it, he's strangely good there. Like it, under no circumstances should a guy with his physical profile be as good of a finisher as Mason Jones is, and just like as good of a shot maker as he is. I, yeah, like I said, it, him being like an actual on-ball impact guy in the NBA is so slim with his athletic tools, but like maybe there's like the smallest chance that he retains some of that shot making. But like, like I said, that's that, that small of a chance. That's a chance I'll take with a two-way contract or a guy on my summer league team, not a guy I'm going to draft in even like the second round or something. So yeah, Mason Jones is a major translation question, but I don't know. Who I mean, I will say he, player. he was a good enough college player and the numbers are crazy enough that I'm going to give him another shot. I'll watch a handful more Arkansas games and, and see if my opinion changes at all. But yeah, just not so not someone I see. I mean, his role is definitely not going to translate and I don't think that he scales well to a different yeah, role. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned this much, but his defense is like nothing crazy either. I, yeah. mean, the, I mean, he's like not dumb or anything, but not incredibly intelligent or anything and the athletic yeah, like capable capable yeah. passer, he's but... he's fine like, he, like he's not a crazy good passer he can pass a little bit definitely not good enough to make up for his scoring divisions i mean if he was like a great passer then that's another consideration but yeah he's mm-hmm. not smart or athletic enough to make up for his to compensate and yeah he's probably not a, a real nba guy but a very good college player and someone like i honestly kind of hope comes back next year because Arkansas is going to be really, really fun next year. Otherwise. I think the not to read into it too much, but I think the tone of his, uh, of his like Instagram post or whatever it was seemed, seemed pretty much like he was set on, on staying in the draft, mm-hmm. but uh, I could be misreading that and he could definitely return if he gets bad feedback. So who knows? Yeah. I have not read that, but yeah, I mean, Mason Jones, also, still waiting on his teammate Isaiah Joe. I don't think we have a decision on Isaiah Joe either. Once again, the Pref to Pro NBA Draft Podcast is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com team. Again, that's linkedin.com team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So. Yeah, I mean, should should we get into guys who have popped now? And do you wanna you wanna give your Pokashevsky spiel? Sure, I'll give my Pokashevsky spiel. And 
I, I think we talked on this podcast before how both of us are Pokashevsky skeptics, generally just not buying his his half court struggles and just the frame deficiency. But I went back, watched some more in his of his recent games in the Greek second division, and I, I must say I'm definitely coming around on Pokashevsky. I mean, just this some of the skill he flashes at seven feet tall is unmatched in this class or a lot of classes for that matter i mean he's a legitimate live dribble passer with both hands in like multiple scenarios i mean uh, he had like i think multiple pocket passes across the game i watched skips in the post like no look layoffs in transition just silly silly stuff and he's pretty fluid in handling obviously in the half court his handle is mitigated by his lack of burst and strength but like with with space and um olympiakos offense is pretty good at getting him advantages and getting him into the lane where he can make passes. And then like offensively in the half court, he definitely struggles to create, but he's like a legitimate movement shooter. He's, he's got a pretty quick release and he shoots pull-ups too. And just a guy with that little offensive versatility and defensively, I mean, he's like a, a noted stock monster. I mean, his, his help side rim protection instincts are so, so good. I and mean, he'll come from way far away to get blocks and, he uses his length well to get steals, but like I said, the, the strength is just such a deficiency on defense. I mean, I mean, in the post against like these Greek league second division post guys who are maybe like six five stocky bigs. I mean, he'll just get like obliterated because he cannot hang. But I mean, he's also eighteen, and he's he is going to be the youngest player in the draft, assuming he declares. Which I think the, the whispers are that he's going to declare and keep his name in. Uh, nothing's nothing's confirmed there, of course. But yeah, I mean, he, his stock yeah. is like first round. His, his stock is good in the mainstream, and I mean, for for good reason. I mean, he's just the guy that. I mean, is yet yes a very theoretical player at this point but he's also a guy who you're not drafting to make an impact in year one or two or three um a guy who a team's gonna have to be patient with and if he gets in the right culture and the right development and the team is patient i think he could be a really really good nba player at some point so even though um not super enthused by a lot of the things he does i think he's probably a worthwhile gamble higher than i've slated him before so yeah i'm definitely coming up on pokashevsky and someone who i'm excited to continue to watch more of yeah, I'll reserve comment really until I've seen more because I, I my my position hasn't changed, but I haven't I haven't watched any more. Uh, from what I've seen, definitely very theoretical player, uh, and it should be mentioned the Greek sef- second division is a really low level of competition. Like it's it's bad basketball. Um, so yeah, <laughs> definitely an intriguing skill set, but also there are some reasons for for skepticism. Yeah. Um, my my one guy for this week is Nashawn Bones Highland of VCU, uh, six what like four, kind of combo guard, uh, just with unbelievable defensive instincts. Really really impressive on that end, uh, despite being super skinny. Um, and then just a, a very impressive shooter with a I think a long track record back to AAU of being a really pretty high level shooter. Um, I would expect not someone that's going to come out. I like, I definitely would draft him if he did, but uh, I don't think he will. But I mean, if, if this guy can develop physically, maybe improve his ball skills, uh, could be someone that rockets up boards because def- the defensive instincts and in shooting are just really ridiculous. Uh, I think Ben, you mentioned him on the first episode. We yeah, did. I think I thought one of the first episode, and I like, like I said, Tylen's awesome. I think on my board right now, since he technically hasn't 
like officially been returned. I think he's in like my top 50 ish range. So he's just a really talented player. Like the shooting is so legit. Um, like over 40% on over like a hundred something attempts, really, really high volume, high efficiency shooter. And the, and the free throw, the free throw isn't great, but he's taken 24 attempts all year. He never gets to the line, struggles to get to the rim and finish. Cause he's just so skinny. But yeah. Yeah. Definitely a guy to look at in terms of physical yeah, the, the track record as a shooter like I said, back to lower levels is like very legit. Uh, so I would say look beyond the really small sample of free throws this past year because the track record is really there for him as a yeah. shooter. And I'll say I do like his handle decent bit. I think he's kind of shifty, but I think he's so weak that he gets pushed off the ball like really, really easily. I think um, as he improves like his burst maybe and his and his just his core strength overall, I think the handle's going to look better too. So, yeah, Highland and and he can, I mean he's not like a, a stellar passer, but he can he can make pick and roll reads too. So he's just a really really good prospect and a guy I'm excited to watch next year. At, yeah, I mean he has he has some shifting handling the ball too, yeah. um, and like can kind of can kind of be explosive at times uh, horizontally. So yeah, like very very legitimate prospect. Uh, a guy I really was impressed by. All right, so I'll go to my – well, also, that two more guys. I'll go to my 2020 guy, and um, that's uh, Washington State wing C.J. Ellaby, I believe. So I actually came across this stat profile while looking at old Jason Tatum games because I, mean, I was just looking for guys to match, doing queries to match his – guys with his – with Tatum's, obviously, size and free throw shooting and stocks and and um, unassisted shot making in college are really rare. And Ellaby's a guy – who popped there and just a really, really impressive shooter at six foot six. Um, comes off movement, quick trigger, pretty lefty release, uh, shoots pull ups, has legit NBA range, and isn't the quickest, uh, not really a dynamic handler. And he misses quite a few passing windows, but he definitely can pass a little bit off of his gravity. Um, has shown some driving flashes, but and then defensively, he's pretty smart, intelligent team defender and makes rotations. Not a guy I've seen a ton of, but. Uh, somebody we're definitely going to keep going to watch and go back on because I know with his just with his shooting at his size and some of the ancillary skills he's shown, I'm I'm definitely interested in tracking him going forward. Um, hasn't officially entered his name into the draft. Um, don't know if he will. Um, honestly, probably doesn't. I think he comes back. I would guess, but yeah, I bet he doesn't. Declare. I, I bet uh, he doesn't declare. But yeah, not someone, I, not someone I've seen. Uh, but over the last two years, he's shown up in a lot of stat queries. Uh. But yeah, like you said, I think he's he's more of a future guy. Yeah, and then last guy. Um, once again, um, two straight episodes. We're gonna talk about twenty twenty one high school class bigs going back to our prep to pro roots. Um, this time I want to talk about Paolo Banchero, plays for O'Day, um, Seattle Rotary, um, EYBL, and just one of the more impressive big prospects I've seen. I mean, he is a legitimately big size, and he is super, super skilled and fluid. He's fast handling in the open floor. He can change directions a little with his handle in the in the half court. His shooting indicators are really, really impressive for a guy. Who has, I mean, not, I wouldn't say really impressive. He's shooting like, like 78% in UIBL, and he got to the line a ton. Um, and he's shown some ability to hit pull-ups and off movement in the games I've watched. And he's a little bit of a chucker, but... I think a lot of that just comes with being his age and his role on his team. I mean, because I've definitely seen games where he can has shown the ability to pass the ball, and he seems like a smart player. So, seems like something that he could definitely iron out with age, um, that decision making. And he's he's a positive assist to turnover ratio guy too. So, not like someone like I don't know Khalil Whitney, who's like obviously 
just never going to pass. But someone who I think is just like a, a really strong contender at the top of that that 2021 draft that with Kaminga potentially reclassing, like we've talked about, um, a, a draft that is definitely strong, but not as strong as 2020, stronger than 2019 for sure. But Manchero, excited to see him play this year, his senior season, just a really spectacular big man prospect. Yeah, I love Paolo. Uh, he is one of the best players in high school basketball. Uh, he's good at everything, pretty much. Uh, really impressive handler at his size. Pretty strong. Um, too hesitant at a shoot as a shooter at this stage, but to be a a guy who's like what like six eight six nine uh, and have that free throw percentage and I think like pretty solid mechanics if I remember correctly. And it is like, like really quite good from mid range. I think he'll, he'll shoot just fine. Uh, I I've always been pretty impressed with him as a decision maker, uh, quick decisions, uh, sometimes some, some like really, really impressive passes. Uh, and I like him a lot defensively. I think his movement is really good. Like he can mirror wings. Uh, I like he, he Ben mentioned he plays for O'Day in Seattle. Uh, and during the City of Palms tournament, they played against Archbishop Stepanak, which has A.J. Griffin, one of the other best players in high school basketball, 6'7 wing, uh, and Paolo was mirroring him on the perimeter. Uh, I, I think probably not the longest guy, right? I don't no, think. I don't think he's super long. Uh, which is a little disappointing, but overall just a sensational basketball player. Uh, I think actually old enough to reclassify to the 2021 class, but I believe he has already said that he is not doing that, which is, well, I guess it's, it's not really a shame. 2021 has plenty of talent. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't need it. It's it good doesn't enough. need any more. Yeah. God, it doesn't need any more, but um, yeah, Paolo is, is a sensational player um, and will be a, a very, very high level NBA prospect when the time comes. I think that's all we've got for today. Max, is there anything else you want to talk about? Any last thoughts? Uh, not really, no. No, yeah. All right, so that was today's episode. Um, make sure to, to subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, leave nice reviews. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at prepsapro, prep number two pro pod. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And I think that's all we've all we've got for you guys today. Have a good day um, and see you later.